Hey guys, welcome to Fantasy Football Unwrapped, FFB, Week 1 edition. This is Perry Aston, joined by Andy Singleton from Fantrax. It's a pleasure to have you, Andy. Also, Corbin from NFL Unwrapped, one of the Unwrapped family members. He's here as well. Unfortunately, Adam couldn't make it today, dealing with a little bit of a personal emergency. We had to get out our Week 1 rankings for you. We had to talk a little bit of football, what's going on around the NFL. Before we do, wanted to thank our sponsor for this episode, Fanatic, a brand new app in the fantasy football world. Fanatic is an app with advanced player metrics, clean, easy to understand visualizations, and the latest news and opinions. Win the week, win the next, win your league in the Apple App Store now. So go check it out. I believe it actually dropped today. Awesome, awesome features. We're going to be using them all year for helping us out with our fantasy content. Love what they're doing, so go check out Fanatic, that's F-A-N-A-T-I-Q, on Twitter, it's Fanatic App. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are on the podcast.com site. We also are finally on Apple iTunes. So yes, just got on there today. There we go. We're on there, so check us out. We're going to be posting it on our Twitter, at FFB Unwrap. You can follow me on Twitter, at Perry Aston. Corbin on Twitter at Corbin Unwrapped, and Andy on Twitter at People's Pen. That's P-E-O-P-L-E-Z Pen. Thank you so much, Andy, for joining us. Let's uh, jump to week one and some Le'Veon Bell news that obviously has dropped this week. Wanted to kind of get your opinion on the situation itself and what that means for the Pittsburgh fantasy value. Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be on, so thank you for having me and inviting me. And uh, yes, football is here, ready to go for the 2018 season. Many, many months football, especially fantasy football, is a year-round, 12-month, 365-day event now. Yes, so it is. It's, uh, it's, it feels like this has been a long time coming, and uh, we are finally here. Uh, we can finally get, to get a taste of what we all have been predicting and projecting over the last several months. And of course, the Le'Veon Bell news is taking kind of a dramatic turn and twist in the last few days. Uh, I, I was of the firm belief that this was a non-issue as early as three days ago. Uh, you know, it's now Thursday we're recording. Uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking this is the same scenario as last year and people say it feels different and the comments have been different, but I, I think they were all kind of the same. Uh, but now that, you know, we're actually this close to the Sunday games and he's still not signed, it, it definitely... It's a much different Yeah, no, honestly, it makes Adam, our co-host here, usually seem a little bit like a genius because he had him at seven in his initial rankings Mm -hmm. for running back, and everyone questioned him, how can you have Le'Veon outside the top three, let alone, you know, the top five, and you're putting him at seven, you're crazy, and he said, obviously, this had a lot to do with it, the holdout, the fact that he wasn't confident he'd be able to come back and the right time and the right shape and help this team right away, and it hurt his fantasy value, and it put him out of Adam's top five. Now he's looking a little smart for that, and Bell is not going to be in your week one lineup. Let's talk James Conner from Pittsburgh. He's had a hell of an offseason so far. I think everyone, every Steeler fan's rooting for him right now. What do you know about James Conner? Are you confident putting him in your week one lineup? I know he's a very popular waiver ad right now. Yeah, I personally, I mean, you can't question this guy's heart. Tremendous heart if you know his backstory from his days in Pittsburgh and you know, having a missed time with health issues and coming back from that and, and just being a dominant player. Uh, it's basically kind of. I want. I don't want to say two ways in particular because it's not like he had dynamic receiving numbers, uh, but he was certainly a capable receiver. And he's just a tough runner, 
great numbers at Pitt. I, I feel like he's a, a nice backup at the NFL level. I don't think he's uh, the focus. I actually think who they have in total right now, the other rookie they have, Jalen Samuels, is a better talent, but I don't think they're looking to rush him into the mix, especially with James Conner being there already. So James Conner, to me, like I said, tremendous heart and, and great skill, good size, good running ability, but I, I do think he's limited. So if people are thinking he's just a standard plug-and-play and he's going to replicate what Le'Veon Bell would do, I, I think you're... I think you're being a little too ambitious. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think what people are doing is not putting enough of value on Le'Veon Bell and kind of making him a little more replaceable than he is. At least for fantasy owners, they're saying, oh, it's okay, it's going to be the same kind of value, the same kind of plug-in offense. But I don't think people realize how important Le'Veon is to how this offense runs, how many holes and you know down-the-field routes that he opens up for Antonio Brown and how much more efficient he makes Ben Roethlisberger at this point of his career. I'm a big believer that Le'Veon is the reason why Ben is still elite. Obviously, having Antonio Brown there for a long time, he's had his number one. Every quarterback should have their number one. But the fact that he's had Le'Veon, who's it seemed like just a once-in-a-decade kind of player until obviously we got Gurley and all these guys now starting to show that they all have similar game. It's becoming more of a modern NFL, but he was, in my opinion, the first to really be dominant out of the catching balls out of the backfield in this last decade to where he's really made a difference in changing the running back position, which is why he should have been paid, which is why he yeah. should have been the guy that set the market value instead of Gurley. It's fine. He obviously isn't. Gurley set that number, and the Steelers aren't willing to pay him, they're more willing to pay the position, which is something you keep hearing over and over. Corbin, I want to hear some of your thoughts on the Le'Veon situation. It doesn't seem like it's a good situation, especially with a lot of comments from his teammates. You've seen Marquise Pouncey release comments today, and multiple other line, linemen, especially yeah. Ramon Foster, who's actually their player's rep for the team. So these are his guys. These are the guys that are blocking for him, not just other random players on the team. These are the guys that he's supposed to have the closest relationship with, besides probably the quarterback. So if they're taking shots at him and calling him unreasonable, I would say usually players back up other players when it comes to contract situations. I think usually they're on your side. They're pushing for their guys to get paid. I think at this point, if they're all making these comments, they truly believe Le'Veon's just being unreasonable. Yeah, that's the thing that's so surprising. I mean, you spoke about Le'Veon and how he's kind of changed the position. He most certainly has, you think about dominant running backs, even from like 10 years ago when Adrian Peterson came out of Oklahoma and was unquestionably the best running back for a good five or six years, he didn't really catch any balls out of the backfield. Le'Veon yeah. was the first running back, and now he started this trend of you need to be able to run between the tackles, but you also have to be able to catch balls out of the backfield, catch balls out of the slot, go line up yeah. really anywhere and be able to catch balls. And James Conner, while I think that He's still going to have he's going to have a good week one, and he'll be serviceable in Le'Veon's absence. Obviously, he's not the same player that Bell is. From the player's standpoint of his offensive lineman not backing it up, that's just I think that's just the most surprising thing in all of this. Because like you mentioned, usually when players are having kind of a dispute with their team as far as they need to get paid and the team doesn't want to pay them. Usually his team, the other players' teammates have back his up back. Your guys. Yeah. That's, that's really it. It's and really in this surprising. Case, they just don't. And I understand from Le'Veon Bell's point of view, 
not wanting to sign this franchise tender, there's nothing that the Steelers can really do right now. They The deadline to extend Le'Veon Bell passed, so really Le'Veon Bell's only options are either sign the franchise tender and report, don't sign the franchise tender, continue to hold out, and then lose however much money per game at the prorated amount that he's owed over the course of this year if he did sign that franchise tender, or get traded. But even if he got traded, I don't believe that a new team could sign him until the offseason anyways, so he's going to be in the same predicament. Andy, I have a question for you. Do you see him being traded at some point and and having James Conner and Samuel kind of heading up this young Steelers backfield? Because I do like what you said with James Conner not being the only back that's interesting behind Le'Veon this year due to the fact that you know they have a very young, talented running back class coming in that's going to learn in this Steelers offense. Are you confident that Le'Veon's going to be here? I obviously don't think he's going to be here past this year, but do you think he's going to be here this year, or do you think he'll be suiting up for another team? I personally don't think this holdout is going to take that long. I think some of the comments you see from his teammates, I mean, Pouncey was in, uh, being quoted as saying, he'll be back, he'll be back, he'll be back. And when, of course, now he's not coming back, Sure, he's going to be a little bitter because, you know, he's putting those comments out there publicly and, and he's being made to look bad by his friend. But uh, I don't think this holdout is going to be too long. I've been I've been liking it, it to the suspension with Ezekiel Elliott last year where we didn't know. Was it going to be four games? Was it going to be six games? Was it going to be five, three? Uh, but you knew he was going to miss some games. And how was his value slipping? He wasn't slipping out of the first round. And then when he came back, there's your plug-and-play running back one. Uh, I, I think put the number more around four games for Le'Veon Bell, whether it's two, whether it's just the one, whether it's five. I think someone in that four-game absence is the ballpark I, I think you know he's going to be in, which means you know he's still going to be a, a nice value. Uh, and, and in, in his absence, happen, do, you, do you have James Conner as an RB1, or do you look at him more of an RB2 with an RB1 potential? Yeah, I would say definitely more of an RB2 with that running back one upside, depending on you know the matchups, but you look at Antonio Brown's numbers anytime Le'Veon Bell hasn't played. I think it's something like the last 16 games. It's something ridiculous, like 146 receptions for like 2,000 yards. And He's insane. 20 touchdowns. It, it's, 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 it is insane. And the types of routes that Brown runs, uh, having Juju you know, opposite him now, having James Washington on offense. Uh, I mean, who's to say that they even really need to run the ball more than you know, 15, 20 times and is Connor going to get all those? Uh, I personally, like I said, it's funny to me that when I bring up the Jalen Samuels thing, being a better talent, they say, oh, well, uh, he's slow. Well, James Connor ran a 4.6540 at the combine. Yeah. And Les Bell ran a, a, a 4.6. And uh, Jalen Samuels ran a 4.5. So, I mean, he's actually faster than the other two to begin with. And then people say, well, look at that. You know, he, Naheem Hines pushed him off uh, the running back position. I think it just shows how versatile Samuels is that playing at, at NC State and you got two running backs and you're trying to fit a way to get them both into the game. Samuels was the one that didn't need to stay on the running back position and could still have a, a, a useful role in the offense. Which, so, which is going to be why he's so successful in this Pittsburgh offense, like what Le'Veon's been able to do, kind of being that jack-of-all-tricks, you know, jack-of-all-trades. I think it's going to be the same thing with how they use Samuels. It reminds me of, in Carolina, you know, the young core they have there with with McCaffrey and the young gun from Ohio State, I believe his name is. Oh, Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel, too. So it's another Samuel. Yeah, he, he's kind of another he, gadget player. He reminds me of, exactly, reminds me of that same kind of 
offensive weapon that they have, and those are both two similar explosive offenses, different, of course, because of Antonio Brown's ability to stretch out the field. We're going to move on from Le'Veon and kind of bring up the McKinnon situation in San Francisco. It dropped about a week ago now, sometime this week at least, that he's down for about the season. Derek yep. McKinnon for the 49ers. Last weekend. Yeah, let's talk Brita and Alfred Morris. Who are you going to take in fantasy if you're going to be picking up one of them from the waiver wire? You know, it's, it's these two situations, the Pittsburgh one we were talking about and now San Francisco, are pretty similar to me. Only the outcome or what we know to be at the forefront for the season is where the difference is. If Le'Veon Bell was out for the year like McKinnon is, I think there'd be more talk about Jalen Samuels. Going back to me thinking James Conner's more of a, a backup runner than your lead down guy. Switch over Cokes now and go to San Fran. If McKinnon was only going to miss a few games or half the season or something like that, I think Alfred Morris would definitely be the play I want. But I think Matt Breida has the larger upside, has a bigger role in San Fran's future. Uh, so with McKinnon certainly being out for the year now and we, and we have that clarity, I think Breida's the guy I want over Morris because I think he's the guy they want to develop there and has a, a higher ceiling at this point in their careers. Uh, so if it was a short-term thing, I would want Morris. But knowing that McKinnon's out for the season, uh, Breed is the guy I'm targeting in that backfield. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. But Morris, the one thing that intrigues me is his history with Shanahan and the seasons that he's had there. And he is a young 30. I hate to say that, but he came in the league at 24 years old. So he isn't one of these guys that has a decade of miles on him and getting hit and you know running backs don't have the longest ticker so for him he's only been in the league since he's been 24 years old and right away he had very good seasons in the you know in Washington with Shanahan people don't realize he put up I believe what two seasons of a thousand plus yards and I believe it was what at least six or seven touchdowns in both of those seasons yes he's non-existent in the past game He's, I think, had three catches or something, some ridiculously low number, and that shows he's not a very modern running back. But he's going to get the touches. He's going to be efficient. And, yes, I think you're right with the fact that I think Breida is a little more intriguing because he's a little more gadgety. He can be used a little more than Alfred Morris can in the offense. But he doesn't catch the ball very well. I think he has a catch rate that hovers around 50%. And the one thing is the fullback in San Francisco, Kyle Juszczyk. He caught a ton of passes last year. His catch rate's about 73 74%. He's going to be the reason why both of these guys aren't going to have massive value. I hate to say that a fullback's going to be killing anyone's value, but he actually is. He was a big part of that offense last year. And you're losing Carlos Hyde, who isn't notorious to being the best pass-catching back, but he had 80-plus targets last year, and you're taking that out of this offense, and Shanahan likes to use these gadgety running backs, hence why he went out and signed Jarek McKinnon, and it was such a perfect fit. So now, don't be surprised when Kyle Juszczyk is the reason why Morris or Breida never really becomes more than just a flyer on any week when you have zero running backs to put in, and just the fact that there's potential that they have touches, and then when you look at it like that, I'm going to take Morris because I'm going to put him in goal line situations. Yep. So exactly. if you I, get if you get lucky with a touchdown, it's going to probably come from Morris, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that Kyle Juszczyk hurts 
Burita's value more than Alfred Morris just because of the pass catching that they're going to share, whereas when you're handing the ball off, especially, like you said, goal line situations, that's probably going to Alfred Morris. I would say Morris is first and second down, and you're going to have Burita more of a third down, and check is just going to be that wild card that you can yeah. use. Really, whatever, because the fullback you don't expect, which is why he was so effective last year. Let's move into some of our rankings. I want you to start off because usually Adam here on the show does like a little bit more standard. I'm a little bit more PPR. We both can do either, but I let him kind of run with standard today with our guests. He has both rankings, so I'm going to let him read his standard. I'm going to go with my PPR, and we're going to kind of comment on both of our lists. This is our week one rankings with matchups considered, everything, numbers crunched. We're going to tell you who you should start, who's a top 10, top 12. We're, I have top 12. Uh, let's So let's just go with top 12 this week. And we do have a couple other guys that are on our mind that you can definitely check out for this week. But these are the guys that if you're in a 10 league, or sorry, 10 team league or a 12 team league, these are going to be the guys that we consider starters at the very least. So I'm going to let you start off with your quarterback rankings. All right. So uh, for standard leagues, uh, I got Rodgers at the top. Uh, I actually surprised, surprisingly have Drew Brees number two this week. Uh, Brady, Newton, Stafford, Cousins, Russ Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Locke, Rivers, Big Ben, and Jared Goff. Okay. My top 12. I like that. I'm going to read my PPR. Similar to me, it, it doesn't, for, for quarterback, it doesn't matter, of course. Aaron Rodgers, number one. I believe he's everybody's number one going into this week. He's back, and he's in a good situation. I don't see why he would be and anyone's number two or anyone's number three this week. Aaron Rodgers, number one. I have Cam Newton at number two. Tom Brady at three. Breeze at four. Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, Deshaun Watson, Kurt Cousins, Phillip Rivers, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ben Roethlisberger, and then Andrew Luck. I want to explain why Big Ben is on the list and why I have him at 11. He is in a good situation, and this brings us back to the Le'Veon Bell, of course, not being on the field. I think it hurts and helps him. I think Big Ben's going to be slinging the ball all over the place, maybe throw a pick or two this game because of the fact that Cleveland, their secondary is not bad. Yes, they're a bit young, but they have a very revamped team. They're in Cleveland, and home versus road, Ben is an actual thing. Check the stats. Check the records. It's a thing. Big Ben's going to struggle a little bit on the road in Cleveland, which is why I I initially, when I saw Cleveland, I thought it was a home game for a second. I had him cracking the top 10. I had him at 8. And because I saw him on the road and really thinking about the Le'Veon Bell situation and the uncertainty in this offense, which is why he's at 11 for me and why Andrew Luck's at 12. Two guys that I believe can have immense potential this week. And I believe if you have them on your team, I would start them. But... They're at the back end of my top 12. I want to hear more just why you have Jimmy Garoppolo at 10. Because he's going into Minnesota to face that terrifying defense for the home opener for the Vikings. And to me, I just don't think... I think Garoppolo's a really good quarterback. Remains to be seen, but from what we've seen so far, yes. And on top of that, I just don't think he has the weapons. Here's why I have him there. It's because Jarek McKinnon's out. And because of this running back situation that we're trying to figure out... I don't think the 49ers are going to dud this game. They have weapons on the team, and Garoppolo impressed in the small sample size that we do have. What was it, six games? So I was impressed with those six games. I saw that big play potential with him and Marquise Goodwin. And I like 
Kittle, the tight end that they have. I truly do. He cracked my top 12. Spoiler alert. Um, but for now, I like him in the top 10. I Obviously, in another week, he might crack my top 8, go up a little bit more. He might go down a little bit in the, to, to the 12. And I know that it surprised you with the Vikings uh, defense with that matchup this week. It's more the fact that Garoppolo is going to go out strong. They're not going to rely on this running game. And I have a lot of confidence in Shanahan for him to be able to mix it up. And with how Garoppolo played last year, I don't think it matters that he's facing the Vikings defense. The Vikings defense didn't get to play Jimmy Garoppolo last year in the games that he played. So they haven't been able to see him either. Yes, I might be a little overconfident on Garoppolo, but I, from the sample size that I've seen, I'm confident that he's going to be able to get it done. And with the lack of confidence that I have in that running game, I truly believe that he's going to have a good week in fantasy. And I think you're going to see him and Marcus Goodwin have that connection. There's going to be one breakout pass and then he's going to be very efficient he's a, he might throw an interception in a game I think that's what he averaged last year but he has a very high completion percentage he doesn't make a lot of mistakes he's going to be very smart with how he uses you know George Kittle and these other you know receivers on this team so I I just see him figuring it out this week and in being an interesting situation for Garoppolo with a better matchup I think he can even be higher than 10. I just think the Niners are going to be down and probably pretty quickly, so Garoppolo won't. They're going to have to pass. He won't have the luxury of being careful with the football, though. I just think he's going to start But he's going to take more chances, throws. too. That's yeah, it might saying. lead to some more yardage, but I just think overall the touchdowns aren't really going to be there. I like, I mean, Marquise Goodwin, yeah, he might get a big play or two, but where is the red zone threat? I guess it's George Kittle, right? Yeah, I, I like but, George Kittle. I honestly, it's us seeing what Shanahan could do with yeah. the weapons that he has this year. So obviously, I can't tell you that the 49ers are poised for success. I can tell you that I have confidence in Garoppolo and what I saw last year and what he was able to do in this offense. They went from zero to hero last year, right? And I truly believe, regardless of them facing this Vikings offense, who's going to limit them to under 30 or 40 rushing yards for this game. It's going to be ridiculous with how they can't find any holes in this Vikings defensive line or with this linebacking core. But they will be able to take some shots. And like you said, Corbin, they're going to be down. So they're going to be passing a little bit. All right, I want to hear your running back rankings for standard. All right, uh, we're just going top 12 again? Yeah, let's do top 12. And if there's, right, if, 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 there's any other, if there's any other names that intrigue you past the top 12, please mention them now. I know we're kind of going to do a sit them, start them, so I guess you can put a few gems that might fall outside your top 12 as well, if you have any. All right, so I got uh, Gurley, David Johnson, Kamara, Gordon, Elliott, Fournette, Saquon Barkley, Kareem Hunt, McCaffrey, Mixon, Cook, and Freeman in the top 12. But uh, just outside of that, I, I really will... Alex Collins this year, and uh, I think uh, he's a little underappreciated still at this point. Uh, Jordan Howard, I think people are making a little bit too much of the fact of Nagy coming in and wanting to get Cone involved. I, I don't think that affects Howard's uh, importance or role. Um, so I agree. That that would that would be my top twelve. The other one I'm really intrigued to see tonight, uh, right 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 away uh, from Thursday night on, is uh, Jay Ajayi. Uh, I, <laughs> He's tough. He's tough to place. It's one of those guys that has a lot of upside, especially with Blunt going over to Detroit now. There is more opportunity for him, but it's Jay Ajayi. It's kind of tough to rely on him with his injury past this. I'm not sure how well they're going to do in this running game, especially with talent like Clement there and other guys that can potentially take touches away. I know Darren Sproles is a fossil, but at the same time, he looks very good in camp, and he's going to be involved in the passing game. He's healthy, and he's coming back for one more year. I just don't know what to say about J.H.I., honestly. 
Yeah, well, the thing is, uh, you know, Clement had his fair share of injuries in college as well, so Who he's did? not exactly, uh, you know, Mr. Durable, and he, I, I think we get a, often a little, oftentimes we overemphasize things that happen on playoff runs, especially championship runs, especially uh, for cities that are as passionate as, like, Philadelphia. So, uh, while I like what Clement did on their run to the Super Bowl, uh, I, I don't know that he's done anything to make me think he leapfrogs and, you know, has a split workload with a giant in the backfield. Uh, will there be opportunity for him there? Absolutely. But, you know, Sproles, until we see him not be able to do it, you have to fact that he's going to have right. some impact. He's going and to have Ajayi What, I, what, I, what I've seen, too, what I've read is that Sproles looks good in camp also. He looks very good and looks actually athletic and that he's totally healthy. What I've read from reports is that he's poised for an actually surprisingly good year. Jai actually has a 260 carry season under his belt. And you mentioned with Garrett Blunt leaving. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of carries there in that Philly backfield. And, and it's, it's interesting uh, that you have Alvin Kamara so high on a standard list. That's what intrigues me. And I know that Ingram is out for this for the first four games. And they just signed Mike Gillisley from the Patriots and they yeah, officially Gill- have... Gillisley is... I picked him up in my fantasy team. They have, even, they have him on number two on their depth chart officially. I'm considering starting him just because they played the Buccaneers. you got to think they're going to get... This is coming from Corbin, who unfortunately had Jarek McKinnon on the team yeah. and has gone down, and pretty sure Le'Veon as well, who is no, not... No, 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 no. Is that not you? I, but he has Jarek McKinnon, so Le'Veon he's freaking out. Number one. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just considering someone to fill in for McKinnon just because the Saints, they're playing the Buccaneers. They're going to have a lot of... Scoring, I would assume, and I think goal line situations, at least one or two trips down there. And once you get down to the ten yard line or so, you got to think Mike Gillisley is going to you be can't getting a lot more that carries. First game with Kamara. Mike Gillisley last yeah. year with the Pats, which got everyone but crazy a, excited. It was a different situation because he was on the team all off season. This is him just coming in, and I think that's what scares me more than anything. Is just is he going to get a lot of carries week one with just learning the playbook, even right. though. As a running back, you just got to get the ball and run. Totally. Pass. I'm going to list my PPR rankings. We have Todd Gurley at one, David Johnson at two, Zeke Elliott at three. Although the Panthers' defense was the third best fantasy overall in regards to points per week for a defense at 20.4, I still believe Zeke is going to have a breakout game, a breakout season. Me and, uh, and Adam talked about it last podcast about an over and under 15 touchdowns for him. I said just over about 16, and he's going to be a big part of this team. I know a quote I have from him. Uh, I'm young. I got fresh legs. I'm going to grind it out. There's no pacing. Every week in the NFL matters. If they want to give me 30 to 35 times a game, I'll take that. I know he's hungry. Everything I've read shows that he's poised for a breakout year. They don't have a true number one receiver there, and I really believe that's going to force Zeke Elliott to become more active in the passing game. They did make some cuts in running back this year. They have Rod Smith behind him. They just cut Darius Jackson, who just signed with the Packers, and a lot of guys, Bo Scarborough, who they you know drafted from Alabama. Just guys that you thought were going to seriously take maybe some touches away. Zeke's just truly impressed in camp. Everything I've heard is that he's going to have an insane year. And Adam, of course, had him as number one before any of this happened with Le'Veon for his overall standard rankings, Ezekiel Elliott, number one. We've been high on him all along. But I have him here at three for this week. Alvin Kamara at four in a PPR. Christian McCaffrey, same situation. Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, 
Kareem Hunt, Dalvin Cook, Jordan Howard, LaShawn McCoy. And like you said, uh, uh, Andy, like with Jordan Howard, I don't believe that it's going to affect him with Tariq Cohen. I really do like this Chicago offense and all the additions that they've made. Trubinsky, he isn't a big threat down the field, and I really believe he's going to rely on a lot of checkdowns, which is why Jordan Howard and Trey Burton are going to be so successful early on while he starts. Trubinsky gets his connection down with these new receivers, you know, Robinson, Gabriel, a lot of these guys in here. So I really believe the tight end and running back position for Chicago is going to be valuable, at least for the first few weeks when they figure it all out. Let's move on to wide receiver. Kind of wanted to hear your top 12 first. Yeah, can I just go back real quick, though, for the yeah, Kamara thing? Yeah, of course, of wide. course. And, and, you know, even in standard, I mean, it's total yardage. And against Tampa last year, he averaged 140 total yards against them with uh, three of his 13 touchdowns on the season against Tampa. So regardless of how many carries he gets, whether Ingram's there, Ingram's out, if it's uh, whoever you want to put back there, he's still going to get at least, you figure, a dozen carries yeah. plus just his versatility out of the backfield receiving. And we've seen what Drew Brees has been able to do with guys like Pierre Thomas and make running backs better receivers than they probably were. And Kamara's the best receiving running back he's ever played with. So, I, you know, just the total yardage and standard still racks up to get him in that top five for me. Uh, but uh, the other thing you were talk, talking about with Ezekiel Elliott, if, if he gets anywhere near to double the targets, and we're talking about a 50-plus reception uh, season from him, he's going to be your number one overall fan. I'm looking player. more like 75 uh, receptions for the year. Or I've seen 70, 75 targets is what yeah, I meant for Zeke. He's going to have 75 targets, 80 targets is what I'm looking more for Ezekiel Elliott this year. Yeah, and, that, and that's just going to be insane. And uh, I don't see how he would fall short of, you know, number one fantasy player. Not, uh, not at the quarterback position. With Le'Veon's uh, situation, totally. So uh, switching over to wide receivers, I got... A.B. at number one, of course. I got Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Julio, A.J. Green, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, Odell Beckham, T.Y. Hilton, Diggs, Thielen, and old reliable Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, just outside of that, I got Tyreek Hill at 13, Hogan, uh, the, the uh, Detroit tandem of Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, and probably a little higher on Brandon Cooks than most, but he's in there at 17 for me. Yeah, Brandon uh, Cooks is interesting, especially with that extension they gave him and that high-powered Rams offense losing Sammy Watkins. I believe it's going to open up a lot for Brandon Cooks. I have uh, my PPR rankings, and it's similar to you. We have the exact same top four, Antonio Brown, Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones. I have Odell Beckham Jr. right there at five, and I know that he's Even facing. Ramsey, yeah. No, I know that he's facing the Jaguars' defense, but that's why Odell Beckham's not my number two or number three this week. I'm truly high after his extension and what I've been able to, you know, read from what the team believes at camp, what people have been able to see at practice. I think he's going to break out, especially at first with this offense that really doesn't have a ton of firepower. But I really believe that the addition of Saquon Barkley is going to add. A lot more kind of evenness to this offense. It's going to add a lot more unpredictability, and it's going to be able to open up more for Odell Beckham Jr. Down the field, you know, short yardage, whatever that may be, they're going to be able to get him the ball. I see a ton of targets for Odell. So having him at five this week is the reason why I don't have him at two or three, I believe, over Hopkins and, you know, Deshaun Watson's immediate connection. It's going to be great, but 
I saw Watson's connection with Will Fuller last year. Not that any particular one with Hopkins jumped off to off the page to me like it did with Will Fuller. So we have to see how that starts off this season. Michael Thomas is Mr. Reliable in my opinion, but Odell is that wild card that I've seen ranked anywhere from two to ten, just with how especially week one with the matchup. I just I put him at I put him at five because I truly believe he's still gonna be able to succeed with Ramsey on him. I don't know if he scores, but I'm looking still um, you know, but about a hundred yards for him. Yards? Yeah, wow. I still think he's going to get a hundred yards for him, but I don't think he's going to see the touch. I think it's going to be Saquon that's going to see uh, the touchdowns this week. They're going to rely on a lot, you know, a lot of running game for him. But I have uh, AJ Green after that, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, Larry Fitzgerald, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, and Tyree Kill at number twelve. Uh, I debate having Beckham that low, and I don't want to overplay it's the matchup tough. because I think he's kind of matchup proof. Uh, there was nothing even about last season. His last season, over you know sixteen games, would have projected to what he's done to every point. Uh, you know, he would have been right around a hundred receptions, over a thousand yards, over double digit touchdowns if he had played sixteen last year. I think we forget how good Odell Beckham is because of all the off field antics and you know yeah. the, the showmanship and everything like that. But this guy is one of the most consistent and productive players. He's he, it's Antonio Brown. And then Odell Beckham, as far as week in and week out consistency and elite level performances. Uh, even if you look at last year, the four games, I mean, uh, for receivers, uh, I'm looking at 90 and, and above as the benchmark. And even in his four games last year, he had two, two games of 90 yards uh, receiving. So he's right around that 100 mark every week whenever he suits up. And, uh, yeah, you know, he's definitely got to be in the top 10. I like him where you have him at five. Uh, but I think we, uh, I think we overlook sometimes how good he really is. We do, and when, when he like did, when he did play last year, the games that he was active, he was fantasy's number four overall fantasy receiver. So when he's on the field, you're right; he's extremely productive, and we do forget how great he is. He statistically is the best all time to a lot of these numbers when it comes to how quick he's hit a lot of these milestones, receptions, touchdowns, stuff like that. He's been injured a lot, but in regards to how many games you played before you hit these numbers, put Odell Beckham up there with any of the top receivers in history. Not saying that he's going to be one of the best to ever do it, but if he keeps up the way that he's doing it and he can get his head straight, especially getting this big contract, I truly believe he's not going to slow down at all. If anything, he's going to accelerate with the addition of Barkley and Eli Manning. He still has another year or two left in him, but... They're going to move on from that, and whoever they do bring in to be that quarterback, they know they have Odell, though. They know they have Evan Ingram. They have these guys that they can rely on, and no matter who they have, it's not like they're replacing the best to ever do it. Yes, he has rich playoff history, Eli Manning, but if you're asking me if he's good right now, I'd say he's okay. He's not a top 15 quarterback, in my opinion, not even close. So... I don't care who you put there at quarterback skill-wise right now. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You just have to throw the ball up. He can catch it. You get him on a slant route. Whatever you can do. He's very Des Bryant-esque with getting the ball in his hands. You just kind of feed him on a quick... much better than Des No, no, no. I'm talking in regards to when you throw a screen to the player and you just give him the ball in the open field. They have the same playmaking ability to where they can seriously shake people. You can put him at the return position. As a receiver, I'll take Odell down the field and I'll take him over Des on a lot of pieces but if you're going to just flash him out to the left and I'm just going to throw you the ball on a one yard screen and just give you the ball in the open field their athleticism is parallel it's right next to each other so but let's uh if you haven't don't have any more comments on the receivers let's move on to tight ends I know it's 
kind of tough past the Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz three that should always stay there. But I wanted to hear your standard rankings for tight ends. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the usual suspects, Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz. Uh, then I got Delaney, Jimmy Graham, Olsen, Kyle Rudolph, Jordan Reed, Evan Engram, Trey Burton, Jack Doyle, and Tyler Eifert making his return to the Bengals. Okay, I'm Tyler Eifert, I see it. You are a little, you are pretty low on Trey Burton. For me, I am very high on him. I know that my co-host is as well. Number one, we have Gronk for me. Number two, Kelsey. Three, Ertz. Four, this week, Jimmy Graham. I believe he's going to have a very good PPR week. I don't know if he's going to score, honestly. I can't can't predict the Aaron Rodgers offense because he can put the ball in anybody's hands in the end zone. It's really whatever matters to him. Jimmy Graham is going to be a beautiful target for him. Devontae Adams, all these guys across the field. I truly believe it's just going to be his picking, whoever he wants to score that week. But I think he's going to get that connection with Jimmy Graham no matter what. If he scores or not, we can't predict that. But I can tell you right now, I think he's going to get six, seven receptions this week. He's going to be getting fed the ball a lot. He's going to be that comfort zone for... Aaron Rodgers as he gets his feet back wet. So uh, yeah, Corbin, Jimmy, Corbin Jimmy is actually a part owner of the Packers. So <laughs> one, wanted to get one his share. opinion. One share. One share. Yes, but still an owner. That's um, all you need. <laughs> that's all you need. But Jimmy Graham, I just I have to say, he is the most dangerous red zone target that Aaron Rodgers has ever had. And I don't think it's even close. Uh, Jordy Nelson was a great red zone target. Devontae Adams is a really good red zone target. But Jimmy Graham... A six foot seven tight end that you can line up anywhere. Aaron Rodgers has never had anything close to that. I mean, he had Jermichael Finley, who was a pretty good athlete, but that's not even in the same stratosphere as Jimmy Graham. Definitely, and I'm not saying he's not going to score a ton of touchdowns this year. He is. I'm saying I have my PPR rankings. I have him at four. He's a yeah. He's, no, he's the best tight end outside Gronk, Kelsey, and Ertz. And no matter how much of a Jimmy Graham fan you are. If you put him in that top three over those three guys, you're insane, at least going into week one. You can't knock the fact that those three have been consistently the most productive tight ends in the league, week in and week out. Jimmy Graham is the most intriguing, I would say, on the list behind Trey Burton and David Njoku. That's a name that I know you didn't have on your list, and it interests me because I'm very high in Njoku and this Cleveland Browns offense, at least with him, because he looked very good in the preseason, and with Tyrod Taylor... He's a very safe quarterback. He's a smart quarterback, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And I think he's going to look towards the tight end a lot. And when these receivers are figuring out Josh Gordon getting his feet wet, you know, going crazy downfield, and you have Jarvis Landry who's able to, you know, be a reception monster for you, you're going to be looking towards those guys a lot. And you're going to be really trying to figure out a lot on this offense with Duke Johnson coming out of the backfield, lining up out of the slot, being one of those modern running backs that we were talking about. Having Carlos Hyde, who has improved in the passing game, who can also be interesting. There's going to be a lot of options for this Browns offense, but the tight end, and it's always going to be the best position when it comes to a new quarterback, a new offense, and a team that's really trying to figure itself out. You always look towards, in my opinion, the tight end or running back dumps for a new quarterback who's trying to figure out the offense before he starts going crazy throwing, you know, 200-yard bombs to 
Josh Gordon, I truly see him getting comfortable with David Njoku. So I have, you know, Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz, Graham, Burton, Ingram, Delaney Walker, David Njoku, Kyle Rudolph, Greg Olson, Jack Doyle, and George Kittle. I like that you had Tyler Eifert returning to your top 12. It's uh, it's cool to see his name again, having it in a while. And I truly believe that he's not done. I just don't know if I'm confident to put him in my top 12 for week one because I just don't know how well he's going to play with Andy Dalton, but speaking of gems to add for week one, Andy Dalton and Tyra Taylor, who we both mentioned, they're probably on your waiver wire. If you're looking for a guy to replace Big Ben with because you're scared of this Cleveland Browns matchup, or if you have Eli Manning and you're in an awful situation, they're playing the Jaguars. Why would, Look, why would I'm, someone I'm, have Eli Manning? In a 12 team league, 14 team league, two QB leagues, like you can have a lot of situations where you have Eli. I'm just saying a lot of leagues have Tyrod Taylor available, have Andy Dalton available, and I really like their matchups this week. If you're just looking for a flyer for week one, if you're looking for a quarterback, not that they're going to do anything crazy for you, but if you're looking for a safe pickup like I looked at Keenum last year on the waiver wire, I'm going to be looking towards those two guys this week. Uh, quick question for you. Do you have any waiver wire gems this week, any guys that you really want to keep an eye on, anything that you wanted to add towards the end here for our listeners to keep their eye on? Well, just real quick, I uh, I have Njoku at 14, and I'm a Miami guy, that's my Kyle Chief, so I definitely you? want him to be the best tight end in the league, um, but uh, you know, when you look at what Tyrod Taylor has done, even with Charles Clay, when Charles Clay was the best receiving option Buffalo had. You know, he, he was limited in his target share. Uh, we're talking, you know, a, a high of 87. So uh, it, it's not that Njoku can't get looks on that offense, but there's a lot of mouths to be more than Tyrod Taylor's ever had. And I think Jarvis Landry just commands attention in whatever offense he's in. Uh, so uh, even with Josh Gordon there, Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde, any, anybody you want to mention, I think Jarvis Landry still just, sucks up a lot of attention from the quarterback and uh, that would be my guy to watch most in that Browns offense. Uh, I do like Njoku to blossom this year. I think he could be a red zone threat. Uh, And then the other guy you mentioned with Jimmy Graham, um, even with his resurgence last year in Seattle, Russell Wilson, he was still, you know, he was at 96 targets, but it really was the touchdown that made him more of a, what we used to think of Jimmy Graham. Uh, He still only finished with 57 uh, receptions for 520 yards so uh, he has not gotten back to that elite Drew Brees caliber uh, you know level that we used to see when he was dunking touchdowns in the end zone and we're, we're talking about three of the top five quarterbacks in the last decade in Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees so to think that Jimmy Graham's going to play with all three of these guys is pretty remarkable in itself but I don't know that we necessarily see uh, a tremendous leap in his production just because he's playing with Aaron Rodgers now. Uh, I mean, I, I think you look at Richard Rodgers' line from a couple years ago uh, when he was, you know, uh, uh, un, unexpectedly productive in that Green Bay offense. I think that's kind of what you will see as the ceiling for Jimmy Graham this year in Green Bay. Okay. Uh, I think Devontae Adams is the guy that you really going to have to break out. And I think Randall Cobb gets a little slept on. Uh, I know Geronimo Allison has been a, a favorite of a lot to take that Jordy Nelson role, but um, I, uh, Jimmy Graham is more touchdown dependent at this stage of his career uh, than I think we want to believe. And it's easy to say tight end, Green Bay, give him to me, especially when he's got a name like Jimmy Graham, but uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily overreach for him. 
Um, just yeah. to piggyback on one of the things you're saying with waiver wire ads for week one. Um, I, at this point, I mean, I, I, I feel like, you know, you know, barring anything like losing a Jarek McKinnon for the season or, you know, getting scared about Le'Veon Bell, who you might have drafted earlier on and now with the holdout, uh, I mean, you're going to have to go for the guy filling in for them with the James right. Connors that we talked about and the Alps and the Matt Breeders. But other guys that I think maybe not the, you know, common fan uh, would know or be as familiar with. I think Jordan Wilkins is a guy that you're going to hear a lot of, if yeah. you haven't already, uh, people banging the drum for. And he's in line to start week one. And this isn't an offense that is guaranteed to Marlon Mack. So as explosive as Marlon Mack can be, Jordan Wilkins could take the reins of this and never relinquish. Especially with, especially with Andrew Luck coming back. Especially with Andrew Luck coming back. It's really just an open question mark for the entire Colts offense. Who can fit with him? Who can help this team become not awful anymore? Marlon Mack has no grip on this starting role. If Jordan Wilkins comes out with Andrew Luck right away and looks like the right one-two punch, that's going to be the one-two punch for the year. So if you're a Marlon Mack owner, he's nothing more than just a guy on your bench that you're hoping gets the volume. Like you said with the waiver wire Guys like Breida, guys like Morris, you have to pick them up because they're the next man up. That's fantasy is all about volume, how many touches and opportunities people are going to be getting. So I like where your head's at with that. Do you have any other kind of gems for our listeners here before we sign off? Uh, depends on what position. I mean, it's really you know at this point, like I said, your roster should be pretty much set. I think some of the players I've noticed that are slipping that I don't think necessarily should be. You're talking about Dallas before. I think Michael Gallup. Yeah, is that's a name that I the like. Best rookie wide receiver in this in this class. Uh, when it's all said and done, uh, I do definitely like Anthony Miller and what he's turning into. I like Christian Kirk a lot, and they're starting to get a lot of buzz. But the veteran that I think is kind of getting overlooked, at least from drafts I've seen, is Josh uh, Doxson, who I think people are over uh, or writing off way too soon. Uh, I mean, this is still, he still has the draft pedigree. He had a, a freak, you know, physical thing happen to him where he had to miss some time. But, uh, I mean, everything is still there. He's in his third year now. I, I like that Alex Smith is his quarterback. I think he could give him better passing lanes than what I saw uh, from Kirk Cousins. Uh, not to say that Kirk Cousins isn't an accurate passer or a good NFL quarterback, but they just never seem to be able to get on the same page. And, you know, I wonder if that was more Cousins or Dachshund, and we're not really going to know until we see how he works with Alex Smith. But Josh Dachshund, to me, is, is a guy that has a safe enough floor this year that I don't think he's going to lose value. And the ceiling is that of a back-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. Yeah, no, definitely. And I like the Miller comment and the Gallup comment with those two receivers. Those two guys, Christian Kirk, Washington on Pittsburgh, guys that have a lot of upside, especially in you know 12-team leagues when you need to add a lot of flyers towards the end of your bench with a lot of upside. These are guys you need to be targeting. I know someone that Adam really likes is a veteran, Cam Meredith, who is supposed to have a breakout year right now with the Saints for his career and definitely a comeback year for that obliterated knee that he had. So a lot of names to keep an eye on for fantasy. We really wanted to give you guys our week one rankings. Thursday, it's football. We're back. Finally. It's here. So we're excited to be back. And I'm so excited to have you on today, Andy Singleton. You are the man. Thank you for joining us. 
from Fantrax. Check out his weekly baseball show, literally called The Baseball Show. And check out his Twitter, at People's Pen. If you look at him and all of his rankings, he's got a fantasy football resource packet for you, top 300 rankings, standard updated regularly for him, NFL draft profiles, everything like that. And he's a must-follow on Twitter and Fantrax, the group that he's a part of. Thank you so much for listening to us here at Fantasy Football Unwrapped. You can find us on podcast.com. And finally today on the Apple Podcast app, we're finally on there. So please leave us a review and rating if you're checking us out on there for the first time. It's much appreciated. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. You can follow Corbin on Twitter at Corbin Unwrapped. You can follow our buddy here at People's Pens. And you can also follow our Twitter page at FFB Unwrapped and make sure to keep an eye on any alerts or anything like that for week one, week two, any Le'Veon or Jarek McKinnon type injuries or anything. You need to be following us so that you know exactly when that happens and what to do next, who to replace. Our statistics are unmatched on our page. Check it out if you need any further analytics for fantasy football. We are all over it. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you guys next time.